0: The Team
1: Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Partner up with Navy Federal Credit Union to pay down credit card debt. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Alright
2: everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit podcast. It is a beautiful day. Actually, it's a little dreary out, but you know, it's all good. We'll, we'll roll with the punches. It's, you know, by the time you're listening to the episode, it probably is a beautiful day outside. Let's kick this thing off with a Patreon question of the day. If you had to sum up the whole human species in
2: three words, what would those words be? Mind, body, and spirit. All right. That's about all I got. If I had to sum it up.
3: Um, I, I would say faith, family, food.
2: Oh, nice! Well, now that's, that's that's pretty good one. That's survival. That yeah, that's that's the human condition. Then there's I guess we're getting deep. Well, That's good. Yeah. Hey, nice work, man.
4: Yeah, I'm gonna piggyback off y'all, both of y'all. Food, I'm somewhere in the right? middle.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: that doesn't leave a lot of room for discussion here. I think yeah. that I think you guys killed it. So uh, I'm gonna go with food, food, food. Um, I'm about food, so.
2: So we're talking during quarantine. I mean, literally the hardest part of our day way back was just wake up in the morning, go fishing, come back, start cooking the fish while you're telling the story about fishing (laughs) and then enjoy yourself over a meal and then repeat. Yeah. Right. And I've never heard it. It was always told in my family, like no one doesn't shouldn't be doing any arguing over when you're breaking bread. Mm -hmm. You're too busy. eating. It's good food, especially. Yeah. So, hey, man, thanks again for coming on here and doing this.
3: No, absolutely. I'm honored. I'm honored. I want to hear how big that fish was. The fish was this big. That's right. And it took me two and a half hours to reel it in. And (laughs) it was fighting. And I broke three poles, but I jumped in. I grabbed the line. I put, like, is it a story like that? Because those are the best stories when you're like cleaning the fish.
4: (laughs) Yes.
2: Especially if they come back with some damage. It always (laughs) helps, no matter what. Okay. So before we get into this and, and, and where you're at now, which congratulations, man, great job on your success and, and, and where you kind of, where you wound up as opposed to where you started. But just to back it up a little bit, man, if you could give our listeners a little idea of where you come from and, and, and how you got here.
3: Yeah. Well, my name is Brother Luck. Yes, that is my real name. Um, I am a chef, owner, author, restaurateur, mentor, kind of all the above here in Colorado. Uh, and, uh, man, you know, my story begins with, with a, with a, with a, a a card, a hand of cards that was dealt to me that wasn't the best. And, uh, man, I just, I folded them all and just started over. You know, I I think perseverance is everything. And my story is a, is a perfect ideal situation to showcase that.
2: Well, it's intimidating to see you now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is when you're walking around and you have the confidence that you have right now. And you carry yourself the way that you do. I mean, the way, the, way you, the way you, just your overall attitude. I mean, we just start like that. And when, when you're trying to train somebody and when you're teaching people, man, and this is the hardest thing. I, I, I run this all the time. I forget that. Because it t- it's a lot of hard work to get into where you're at. And, and because you become that, that new identity, that new person, man, teaching that backwards is kind of tough. But to start it out, did you start, did you start out that way? I mean, how would you get like that? Where would your confidence come from?
3: You know, I've had a lot of bad mentors and I've had a lot of great mentors. And at the end of the day, they're all mentors. This is someone who takes time to invest in you, to to teach you about building confidence within yourself. Um, Hopefully that person becomes a friend. And for me, that's always been a a focus of mine is to surround myself with great people. So um, my confidence is built as I've started to become more confident within myself. And I think when you can look in the mirror and you can actually like that person, which takes time, right? We we've got to get past the shame and we've got to get past the trauma and we've got to get past so many parts of our story. Uh, y- you can't help someone until you begin to help yourself, and I I think that's you know right. That's airplane one on one. Like, put your oxygen on, put your vest on before you try to help the person next to you. Yeah, um, we have to we have to think that way.
2: No, that's that's great. They don't ever explain in more detail of why we do it that way. And ultimately, it is because if you're if you're trying to help somebody with their situation, you're still me- measuring yourself, it'll get in the way. Mm-hmm. It, it'll start being a competition instead of trying to help somebody, man. You're being like, I overlook that or do I underlook it? And that's difficult. Yeah, and th-
3: think about it. You're going to drown, right? If we in the water and I'm trying to help you from drowning, but I don't have a life vest on, I- I'm not taking care of myself with my safety precautions. I'm going down with you.
4: So can you back it up and give us actual content on like where you grew up and what, what your perseverance, like, what was it? What did you go through? Yeah.
3: Um, so uh, I was born in San Francisco, California, raised in the Bay Area, uh, urban environment, great childhood in the beginning, right? You, we are, we are all a product of love until someone tells you you're not right. And yeah. so someone's, someone points out your poverty, someone points out your food security. And uh, at 10 years old, my father passed away one day. It was quick. And that we weren't, we weren't prepared for that. We weren't ready for that. My mother, you know, now a widow at, you know, I think she was 28, 29 years old, had the responsibility of, of raising two young boys, right. Who were on the, on the peak of becoming men. And, and that's tough when there's no family support, there's no financial support, there's no education to back up, uh, how to embrace this world. And she, you know, she did the best she can, but you know, she, Again, she struggled. She fell on her own hard times. So I became a, a student of the streets. I, I had no parental supervision to tell me no from a very young age. So, you know, finding those mentors, finding those role models uh, became drug dealers, became pimps, became street hustlers, became gangbangers. Those were the people that I surrounded myself with because I idolized what they had, which was money, power, respect. So for years, I chased that lifestyle, wanting to be one of those people until uh, at 16 years old, a good friend of the family relocated myself and my brother to Arizona. And when I got to Arizona at 16, I got put in a vocational school. And I met met grown men who told me good job. And that was the first time I had positive reinforcement as an adolescent. So this culinary program that that they put me in, which was solving food insecurity which was solving uh my my desire to to want to learn how to cook um man they made me want to become a chef they made they made me feel good about myself and you know at what,
2: the end what of my is graduation, that is I that is that because 30000 dollars is that because of how when I that's a real thing for you young guys out there you kids who don't have role models man when if you get out and start wandering around they'll either show up or you'll find them I kind of call yeah. them I call them pillars I have mm-hmm. I have some in my life too, one some of them are great at teaching and some of them are great at what they do. Like you can just watch that they couldn't teach you worth a damn, right? And, and they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're different. I don't know what that is, man. It's like some of them I can watch and I'm just like, yeah, I, I need to emulate that. And then some of them can teach me something in, in a talking variation. Is it is was it that way with you? I mean, uh, some of those guys were great cooks and that's what was inspiring, or is it just how the the love they had and the passion they have for the job?
3: Mm. You know, I, I think as I've gotten along in my career, I've, I've identified that people, great leaders, are are focused on three core principles. One is they're they're good with people. The second is they're good with their product. The third, they're they're good with money, right? And most mentors we work under, most leaders we work under, are going to be good at one of those things, maybe two. The best ones are good at all three. Can they motivate you? Can they teach you? Can they showcase their skill on on what they're an expert at? And then can they manage the money to ensure that we actually can continue to pursue? Um, when I look at a lot of those mentors who were young that were mentoring me, um, man, they they had one side, right? Which was uh, which was usually their service, their product, their skill. And they they were good at what they did, but they didn't know how to teach it, which means they had no management skills. They didn't understand how to manage the money, which was how to invest it, how to grow it, how to push it forward. And you know, it, it's about using people at that point because you're using people for the pieces that you're missing.
2: Oh man, they're just the most, that's your most important ingredient is your freaking people. Mm-hmm. You know how to Absolutely. cook them and, and, and you can get anything you want. The hardest thing I ever did was when my wife, t- she made me get in the kitchen and learn how to cook. I'm, I'm not even getting on the same line as you bro, <laughs> but I gotta have something, I gotta have a little bit of dog in this fight. The one thing I picked up when I was in the kitchen was, was patience. I mean, I had the discipline, but like literally patience to sit there and let something cook and, and, and marinate and without messing with it. I mean, that's the same way when you're growing people, too. You teach them something. A lot of people want to get in there and hammer it and keep on with it, man. But if you actually learn how to back up and let that marinate for a little bit and let them stew in that and learn something, you'll, you'll see it the progress in that, man. I learned a lot from, from your profession.
3: Yeah, you know, chef, chef means chief, and 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 I've taken that to heart as a leader. Right, I'm a chief. I run my village. I run my tribe, and people depend on me to make good decisions, to 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 give good lessons, to ensure that the safety and security is constantly there. But it takes a personal investment of my time, uh, and I also have to personalize my my teachings to the individual. Can't just be uh, something that I'm giving to everyone, I've got to make sure that it's specifically meant for you and it's going to be the most impactful for you and your family.
2: Okay. So what taught you that the streets? Cause that's where, I mean, I, I, that's where I think I would learn. That's where I learned that people, yeah, people, I, people, persons, man, they're in the streets. Those guys, I get it. It's a tough life. And some of the things that happen out there are downright terrible, but you learn people skills out there, man. You learn how to survive
3: you know I always, I always joke joke about this now but you know essentially i'm still a corner i'm still a corner kid i just have a corner office
0: <laughs> you know my
3: my office has changed i'm i now have a restaurant on a corner in the right, downtown slinging food. but but the, but the but the principles are still the same it's just the consequences aren't as drastic right there there's not the violence that's backed up if you mess up there's consequences yeah. right if you mess up in business there's consequences of course but you know, it's a different type of, of, of fear. And I think when we're learning from people, you know, we have to make sure that we're not leading through fear. Um, we, we can inspire and we can motivate and we can change so many different strategies based on the person and how they respond.
4: So when you were in that vocational school as a teenager, did you have the passion before that to cook? Or that was just something you were like, okay, I need a skill and this is what I want to do.
3: No, I went to that school to go meet girls, like straight up. (laughs) That was the most simplistic approach to want to go to that culinary program. Like I'm going to meet some females and, uh, great plan, great plan, by the way.
2: I mean, that's brilliant. I don't know why I never thought of that, but great plan.
3: (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was, it was simply that, but, um, uh, my family's always been, they've always been amazing cooks. You know, my family's Creole and Cajun. So, um, huh. food has Thanks. always been married into a, that,
2: a mess of them. That's what you're dealing with yeah. on this side of the table, bro. I mean, off <laughs> <all laughs> from the beginning, I'm all cages uh, and chaos yeah. here.
4: It's all Cajun on this side.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah so
3: it's, 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 it's always been a, a big piece of, you know, food was always something that connected us early in our, in our childhood. But, um, I think as an adult, you know, as a, as a young adolescent leading to an adult, um, I found this discovery of the world through food, right? I, I traveled to Italy by making lasagna. I traveled to China when making a, a stir fry. And this is what made me want to get beyond the the radius of of where I lived.
2: So how does that happen? How do you progress in that? Is this, what was the first thing you learned how to cook really well?
3: hmm you know, I've thought about this a lot, and it actually ties to why I have a, a, a dumpling restaurant, which is which was potstickers. My my parents spent a lot of time in Japan so hungry right uh, before now. I was yeah. born, and when when my mother got pregnant with me, they came back to the states, uh, which is why I was born in San Francisco. And they always had this like you know memorabilia of their time traveling through Asia, and I always wondered like what what it was. So when I I think back to like the first dish that I remember eating with my father. Um, and mother was gyoza, right? Eating pork potstickers. And when I went to culinary school when I was 18, I actually asked the chef who was this certified master chef, he was this Chinese chef who did amazing dim sum. I said, chef, can you teach me how to make gyoza? And that's kind of where my love affair of of dumplings started, uh, which eventually led to going to China, led to going to Japan, and then uh, now owning a restaurant that focuses on that product.
2: because you're an interesting splice, I mean that Cajun background that you come from with an oriental training and 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 that that passion that that combination man is awesome.
3: Well and then you throw you throw in all the southwestern elements, right? Of of most of my career was in Phoenix and in Arizona, uh here in Colorado and South Texas and uh you get that influence of Latin America, of Mexico and that just kind of adds a whole nother element. So my restaurant four is is focused on the cuisine of the four corners, right? The the Native American, the cowboy, the the uh Spanish influence, the Mexican influence. So we tell a whole nother story and a whole nother cuisine at that restaurant. So um you know I'm very versatile which is why I think I did well on shows like Top Chef and, and shopped and beat Bobby Flay is because you know, I'm versatile to cook anything, but that's America, right? We're, we're a melting pot of culture that takes from other cultures. We, we are influenced by the people who have migrated here.
2: Yeah, that, we're so the melting hungry. pot already.
4: Yeah, <laughs> want, for sure. I want dumplings so bad right well, after, now.
2: After we get down here, we're going to get some.
4: <laughs> this is making my mouth water.
2: I mean, that's the, that's the best way to say it. That's how everyone got to know each other. It's over the food mm-hmm. part. It's like, hey, man, I don't know what you're cooking over there, but it smells delicious. You mind? And then over that, we break some bread. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, the, there's the, the guy in our crew that can cook. He's always everyone's best. Everyone always loves him. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you always want a good cook in the bunch. And, yeah. and, and that guy is well protected.
4: Yeah. What, what about your brother? Did he end up doing the same vocation?
3: So my brother, my brother was a was a ninety two golf for the U.S. Army, um, so culinary specialist, and uh, it was it was just kind of fun because you know he was a cook in the military, I was a cook in uh, the professional hospitality industry, and uh, man, you know it was always a constant conversation of like who's the better cook. So <laughs> I I actually you know living here in Colorado Springs, we have a lot of of military installations here. Um, I actually built a uh, relationship with with 10th Group Special Forces. So we actually I actually train a lot of their culinary specialists at the DFAC. so I can tell him all the training that he got is actually now coming from me.
2: So <laughs> right?
4: that's a fun brotherly yeah, competition. That's, a, yeah. that's yeah. brother love
2: right there. that's that, that is the purest <laughs> definition of what brotherly love is, is is that always going at each other, man for sure. That's the competition. It makes you sharp It keeps everything going. so I, I what mean.
4: was your first like when you started to realize? like you actually started seeing success.
2: Yeah. I was going to ask that too. What's that like cooking when you're, when you're leaving the kitchen from and going on and having to do that on TV. Talk about that a little bit. You know, TV is a completely
3: different world. That has nothing to do with, with the hospitality industry. That's the entertainment industry. And, And most people don't realize this is that, you know, when you think of the purpose of why they're creating these TV shows, essentially it's to, to win awards so they can continue uh, but also how they make their money. They make their money in sponsorships. They make their money in endorsements, product placement. So um, you as a feature or as a talent, um, you got to kind of be aware of the game because it's not really about you know your heart, your passion, your cooking career. This is about using you as a product or piece of entertainment for somebody else to make money on. So um, it took me you know a number of years of going through television to learn this to where- I realize the pimp's a pimp. Like yeah. <laughs> I I don't want to be pimped and I want my money. So I'm not gonna get out there and just kind of work for you like that. Uh, which is why I've said no to a lot of shows um over the years because I'm I'm not the one.
4: How did you get picked for the first show that you ever did?
3: Um, you know, it's crazy. I wrote about this in the book. Uh Guy Fieri came to town uh, to film Triple D, and they called my restaurant, and they were like, hey, we want to feature you on Diner Stifes and Drives. And I was like, absolutely not. Click. It was my own ego at that point as a chef, as a young chef, saying we were better than uh, the caliber of restaurants that he was putting on there. You know, what I couldn't see past uh, really? beyond my ego was that the opportunity.
2: That's that, I, I, that, Yeah, talk about that.
3: Yeah, I, the opportunity was this was a this was a, a television show who was going to feature my business, my small business on a on an international platform that would have brought tons of, of of opportunity. And when he came to town, the city went crazy. Right. They were chasing him from restaurant to restaurant. The ones he was featuring in my restaurant was dead. And that was the moment I knew I needed to I needed to get on TV and become a a brand ambassador for the city that I live in here in Colorado Springs and represent them because nobody they wouldn't have chased Guy Fieri to that status if they had their own person, their own champion. So that 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 was a big part of my drive was I'm going to represent this city on a national level and I'm going to get on these shows. And my first one was beat Bobby Flay.
4: LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.
2: There is an added benefit in the beginning coming up to to market yourself. There's a a go-between. I think that's a that's a great point you made. Was like in any any endeavor that you get into, man, with, when you're dealing with somebody else, they're going to be coming at you with what they want. You got what you want. You try to get the, the, the middle part of that. Otherwise, it'll consume you. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it did that. I mean, the notoriety that you got out of going onto those TV shows and and uh, would you recommend that? Like if you are sitting back right now talking to some kids coming up, would you do that and the training? How do you navigate that?
3: Um, I think if I'm I'm talking to young students as as I travel around. Um, I, I usually pose this question if If your goal is to if your goal is to become a celebrity chef and be on television and cook on all these TV shows and be a host and be a judge, then why are you in culinary school? Because we're here to learn how to cook, not act. If you want that lifestyle, you should be in acting school because that's essentially what they're 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 training. a lot of the chefs who make that transition, you have to learn your mannerisms. You have to learn how to work the camera. You have to learn your timing. You have to memorize your lines. This has nothing to do with what you can do with a knife and a soap.
2: So, what does that come into being good with people? Then you said there was three parts to being a great, be successful. You got to be a good cook, the, working with the people, and
4: yeah, represent your product. Yeah, represent yeah. your product.
2: I mean, it. Had yeah, to well, you think your product now becomes not what you're serving on the plate. Your
3: product becomes yourself, right? Your personality, and and I think that's where you have to you have to think of your audience as your people, right? Your fan base. And how you interact with them, how approachable are you with them? How do you engage them? How do, like I don't use my platforms for my ego at this point. My platforms are for give back, right? Which at-risk programs am I talking about? which which mental health organizations am I am I working with? Which veterans uh, services am I am I giving back to? like it has nothing to do with my ego anymore because my success is no longer based on me. my success is based on the success of other people
2: how did that feel when that happened because that that's
4: a whole nother transition that's, yeah that's a
2: huge transition I mean that's growing up mm-hmm. I mean yeah we it's growing that's, up that''s know, growing and, up. It,
3: and it's 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 years of, of of being taken advantage of and and having a victim's mentality from it uh because I don't feel like I deserve to win I don't deserve to have success I don't deserve to be there and at some point, we got to realize that we're doing that to ourselves. You do deserve to be in that room. You do deserve to, it doesn't matter how you climb that mountain. You stand on the mountaintop with everybody else. And that, that, that one aha moment that happened to me was I was in Aspen food and wine and I was invited to this top of the mountain party with all these huge celebrity chefs, the Guy Fieri's, Marcus Samuelsons, the Danielle Balut's. And I was, I felt like an imposter. I felt like, I don't belong to be up here. And one of my mentors, Marcus, actually is the one who told me that. He's like, brother, it doesn't matter how we climb this mountain. We all came up here different routes. The fact that you're here means you're here. Sure. Embrace it. Embrace this moment.
2: Awesome. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And some of people's routes are freaking dick draggers. I yeah. mean, ass whipping all the way up top. They don't even have time to talk to you when they get up to the top of that mountain, especially if they've fallen mm-hmm. down a few times. Mm-hmm. No yeah. one no nobody goes up the same route of that, especially what you guys are climbing. Absolutely yeah. not.
3: And, and that's the thing is we have to, you, no one can validate you but you, right? You can't until you can look in the mirror and say, that's, that's my guy. That's the person I'm proud of. You know what? You are good enough. Then you will never find it anywhere. And I say, this is someone who's chased it from accolades. Who's chased it from association. Who's chased it through television. None of that validated me because it's still at the end of my entire journey I broke, right? I broke mentally. And and that's one of the things that I'm so so passionate about when we talk about get back and helping is I broke mentally, which led to a suicide attempt, right? I gave up on myself. No matter how much I had won, I still didn't believe in myself.
2: And that is so powerful for people to hear because me too. Mm -hmm. I mean, what... Explain that a little bit. I mean, I I, I get that. Mm-hmm. It's almost as like I mean, you were so good at your profession, you're trying to be, and you were actually great at other professions, being on TV and mm-hmm. being an actor. Not man, you're a chef. Yeah. But you became great at being on TV. And then there was the next thing is like, okay, well, I gotta be great at this. And then you, you start out good at it, then you become great at it. And all the time, the world that you live in, you're phenomenal at it. And it's just kind of existing right there beside you as you're going over yeah. playing in other realms. I mean, talk about that.
3: Yeah, I mean we 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 create a wall, right? We create a perception wall. Here's the here's the image I want you to see of me. I'm not going to give you the rest, right? Cuz I'm too scared to show you the rest. I'm 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 too ashamed to show you the rest. I don't want to talk about what's going on inside because I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to be viewed as weak. I don't want to be I don't want to be judged. I don't want to be committed, whatever it is. We don't share all of us to others. And I got to a point in my life where I realized I didn't have no friends. And I asked my wife this question: I go, you know, how come nobody invites me to stuff anymore? She goes, you created that. You're too
2: busy for everyone right? else. That's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, when you get that moment, sucks. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, it when sucks. you're sitting alone
2: by yourself and be like, man, where the hell are all my these friends I was supposed to be having? I was like, hey, they they want to be around you, man. You're the one that shut down doing what you do. That happened to me
3: yeah, I got it's, into that it's one. real for so many of us.
2: We, we, <laughs> How about that, especially
3: as especially as men, we get to this point where you know the bravado, the alpha, the 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 strength is so important that we forget to communicate, right? I need a brother who who I can tell I love you, right? I support you. I'm here for you. That is so important because we have trust issues and we have vulnerability issues. If we don't do that with each other, we're going to continue to see more and more men fail, more and more women fail at at taking care of themselves and communicating what's going on. So it's not about asking how you doing. talk to me if you feel like you're going through something. No, share your story, be vulnerable, let somebody else hear it because your story is not meant for you. Your story is meant to be heard by somebody else.
2: Yeah, well, that's why they call it brotherly love, and that's why you got stuck with that handle, brother.
4: <laughs> You're, right? You're leading literally. the charge.
2: <laughs> Some of us hard-headed bastards on this side, man, won't break through that unless somebody else, t- I don't know what that is and how that started or which one of us started it back in the day, but it's a thing. And, yeah. I mean, it probably reciprocates because we were at the table together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, all of us at the one table together, no this. matter which one you were, no matter which way you were in the family, the fighter, the warrior, the, the fisherman, whatever, it probably started like that. We just started keeping it quiet. I,
3: I I hear that, John Eldridge. I hear you. Yeah, man. You know what I'm talking about?
2: <laughs> All right. Oh, I, I, I know you're smart, bro. I got that. I, yeah, it's it's um it had to be like that.
3: It's it's so important, you know, and I, I think that's the the biggest piece of this is that you know, an enemy will intentionally try to isolate a prey, right? When I'm hunting something, I'm trying to get it by itself. Sure.
2: Absolutely. And I need
3: it cornered, I need, I need, I need height. I need to 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 be able to gang up on it. And when you don't have that band of brothers, you don't have that 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 group of people. You know, you're 12. When you don't have those people around you, and you're not letting them in, you will be isolated, which makes you an easy target to be broken down. Yeah. And the enemy was on me, right? Which was me, right? I was my own worst enemy. I, I asked my editor when I was reading when she read my book, "What'd you think? Who was the enemy in the story?" She said, "Brother, honestly, it was you."
4: Wow, it's powerful. Oh
2: yeah, we guys have to go through our whole lives before we realize that that we're that we do that to ourselves.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.
4: So you came out with this book. Um, Tell us a little bit about that process and how people can find it and what we can do to help promote that.
3: Yeah, my book is called No Luck's Given, right? Brother Luck. Uh, life is hard, but there is hope. It's on Amazon. It's, it's you know, you can check it on my websites and stores uh, as we travel across the country right now. But at the end of the day, um, it is about my breaking point and understanding my past to take care of myself in the future, right? Because I survived. I woke up. I wasn't supposed to wake up. I gave up on myself. I went to sleep and forgot to die. And when we wake up that next morning, the shame is so real, you've got to make a decision. And for me, my decision was to live. I, choo- I have to choose that every day, but I have to understand now that I've, I've acknowledged it. What was I going through? How did I get to that point? So it's a reflection of my childhood. It's a reflection of my adolescence. It's a reflection of my career and my mental state until that breaking point, and then choosing to find help, which is what we need to talk about, right? It's not about just the cooking anymore. We're talking about
2: people. Yeah, Every, it's almost life breaks that. I mean, you're born, in, you're in that cocoon, that shell, and life will smash you. And what comes on the, out of that is amazing. I mean, diamonds are forged through pressure. The most precious gems and everything we have down here are, are, come through come through that.
3: Yeah, but it also bursts pipes.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, there's yeah. People get put in situations, man, that they're not designed to to handle. It can break them.
4: Yeah.
2: That's why we get put together with other people. I mean, a lot of times yeah. you're going through some situations, man, in and in, in a struggle you're going through by yourself, and the one next to you is the one that can pull you out of it. I've been around mm-hmm. long enough to, mm-hmm. to understand that, man.
0: And with what yeah, you're doing with those because,
2: programs, it, it, I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. The first 40 years of our life kind of in darkness, trying to figure out the men were not so we can turn around and actually teach it back. I mean, like mm-hmm. every ass-whipping you and I ever had to take was for a reason. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, right. I mean, no one else, thank you for going through it. Mm-hmm. Thank you for taking your hit so I didn't have to go through that. And I, I mean, like I had to go through my side so you didn't have to. And now you and mm-hmm. I are stuck on this side of the veil. And you got mm-hmm. those freaking young ones down there underneath us that don't have a, a guidance of any. And I don't know how that happened. I mean, we got everything down here at our disposal, but the discipline part. So, yeah. I mean, here we go. We got to turn around and give that back. And, and just giving the kids something to do. And I, I started to think about this once, especially once I have some on the ground. I was like, man, the reason our forefathers and our parents invented sports and learning how to cook And do everything possible but get together and kill each other and have sex all the time. That's why all this other stuff exists. Because otherwise, we just tear this place a freaking part.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you need outlets and you need support. And I think that's so important. You know, what are you doing on a daily basis to take care of your own mental state? To find outlets for the pressure that we're all carrying? Because like you said, it's either going to make a diamond or it's going to burst your pipe. So you got to figure out how to manage it, how to control it, right? That's the whole point of a valve. We've got to control the pressure and disperse it where it needs to go and yeah. make it even. And you can't do that by yourself. You're going to break. Yeah. It, it's going to happen.
2: Absolutely. That's a great way to say that. You can see that vibing in the country right now. Man, there's some mm-hmm. pressure on some ends yeah. of these pi- of our pipes in this country that, that, that are severe. They're not supposed to be feeling that kind of pressure, but they are.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And they're hiding it, which and is hide- the worst yeah. part. Yeah. So, you know, this is why I share so openly, I share so vulnerable, is because it ain't about me, right? Whoever's listening to this, me too, right? I'm going there, regardless of what you see on social media, regardless of what you see on TV, regardless of whatever perception or or facade that I've built, I still struggle, right? That is so important for people to hear right now, because me too.
4: yeah.
2: I, I, I I'm curious as to when that started getting overlooked for us too. Like because every self self help book I've ever read was written by somebody who got their ass whipped. Yeah. My favorite movies are Rocky, and usually where them guys are getting whipped the whole freaking time. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you need an ounce of anything, they don't always look to somebody when everything's good. Hell, what are you going to teach me? Hey, how, how'd you do that? Yeah. I don't know. Everything was just good. I was like, well, I need some of that brother look. Yeah. Where's that? Where's that hard <laughs> stuff? <laughs> Yeah, you know I mean? real. And, and
3: and talking about it isn't going to make you look weak, right? I'm six two two sixty. I ain't weak. Yeah. But I'm still talking about it. And I think that's so important for men to hear and for for strong women to hear, anybody to hear, right? You are not going to look weak when you're talking about this, right? And if somebody's going to judge you or make you feel weak, that's on them because they're dealing with their own situation. Oh, sure. That's, that's usually their somebody own internal
2: insecurities. You know, that's somebody who didn't go through it trying to teach it. Yeah. That's when you run into that.
4: When they're too privileged. Yeah, they're too privileged yeah. in there, or
2: they've seen it, or they've been in the environment but didn't have to live through it. That, that, that's how you run into that. And people can sniff that out, man. Mm-hmm. The minute you open your mouth talking about something you don't know anything about, br- I mean, that's that's in- instinctual. That's inside us. Mm-hmm. That's like a protection yep. thing. I mean, the more civilized we get, obviously that kind of goes away, but it don't take much to bring it back. Women have it automatically.
4: <laughs> most of us. Yeah,
2: most women do, yeah.
4: <laughs> so what are you? what's your plan and the, like, You've already accomplished a ton, more than most people have in a lifetime. Do you have any plans to open more? You got that right. Or-
2: you realize that part? I mean, I, I get the humbleness, yeah. man, but you can be so humble to where you don't use your skill craft and it becomes self deprecating. I know you're past that. And, and I'm being on top of the mountain and everything like that. All it takes is for one person to really, hey, hey, man, good job, bro.
4: Well, and sometimes you have to yeah. just pinch yourself, like live in Thank the moment. You. You're welcome. You have to just live in the moment and realize, like, I'm here. And, uh, and yes, I did live through total shit, but I'm here, and and everything's okay.
2: If you bask in that, obviously it'll tear you up. Right. I get that. But I you mean, can
4: pinch yourself. Every yeah, but you can absolutely yeah. marinate
2: in it for a little bit <laughs> yeah. and freaking like it.
4: <laughs> We've been in situations before where I'm like, "Is this reality right now? Like, yeah, is no this kidding. really happening?" And it it is. I think it's important that we do appreciate those moments when things are really, really good, not to get egotistical about them, but actually appreciate where we're at from where we've come.
2: Yeah. I know you've mm-hmm. had moments now that people have reminded you of, that you've forgotten about. They're actually awe-inspiring. Mm-hmm. That, that's had, yeah. happened yeah. to you by now.
3: Well, I've had, I've had people that I've mentored that I've forgotten about, you know, and and, and they're they're reminding me of what I said to them years and years ago. It's, those are the best
2: moments. I want to ask you this one, because that's happened to me too. And I'm just curious when they tell you that, be like, "Mm, yeah, well, I say it differently now. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I was like, okay, I was at a certain age and that's how I learned how to say that. And I I meant it that way, but I say it, I say it differently now. I got a little bit more experience under me. And it's funny how that works, but you never stop learning.
3: Yeah. That's, that's continuing education, right? We we are constantly growing. I think you hit it spot on of, you know, by the time you hit 40, you start to really say, okay, I think I've I've started to figure out, you know, who I am. So let me give this back to the next generation. And that that's so important right now, whether I'm mentoring a young woman, or I'm mentoring a young man, at the end of the day, this is my investment, this is my responsibility, this is my give back, uh, because I want that next generation to pay it forward as well, right? That's, that's legacy.
2: Mm -hmm. I I never could appreciate, I think even when people told me that at a young age, I didn't understand it, but if your currency Mm -hmm. is the people around you, I mean, like if you truly take care of them and teach them everything, you know, and they go out and they can not only take that and teach it down, man, that comes back at you tenfold, Yeah. but that gets Mm -hmm. overlooked so many times. It, It really, it comes with age, Absolutely. Turn around and give back. I mean, if you walked into a town, could you imagine Like, if the coach at the high school used to play professional basketball and football, that's who went back in. The guys who got exceptional Mm -hmm. at it, that made all the money, became pros, and then didn't have to worry about that stuff anymore. Turned back around and started giving back into their town. What you're doing. But if all the men started doing that.
3: It's no longer about accolades. And I I, I think that's, you know, it, it takes a while to get to that point where you have to be able to say thank you. Um, I, I had this uh, this this guest in one of my restaurants a couple of years ago, and she was an older woman, and she's a sweetheart. She's still a great friend to this day. And she said, you know, brother, you do amazing things for the community, and uh, I love what you're doing at this restaurant. It's really powerful. It's changing the scene. And I go, you know, I, I just deflected. Um, it's about my team. My team's amazing. She looked at me dead in the eye. She goes,
2: you need to learn how to take a fucking compliment. <laughs> Hey, when it comes from them too, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like when they send that up, man. yeah. yeah man. It's true. Yes.
3: All I can say was, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am. Thank you. Yeah, Roger so that. I've never forgotten. I've never forgotten that that conversation, uh, because it is. You have to be able to say thank you. You have to be able to recognize what you've accomplished. You have to embrace that part. You know, that's part of of my own insecurities of not feeling like I deserve it. I don't deserve love. I've had love. Taken away from me so many times early in my career or early in my life that I felt like I didn't deserve love. So you know you've got to embrace that. You know wins are wins. Embrace those wins.
2: Sure. Hey, if you if people stop taking compliments, people will cease to give them, mm-hmm. and then we can, mm. that, that's when you start getting into trouble, right there. You know, it's just like we. The one thing we have as an Americans is we usually don't lose hope. Yeah. Like you can make yeah. us happy, make us sad. Don't humiliate us and don't disrespect. we don't like that, right? American, we don't like that at, at, at all. We can take a lot, but it's hard to beat us down, man, because every time you turn your head, there's a different kind of color size everything looking at us.
3: yeah, 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 and that's that's the you know, as I talk to a lot of young people, you have to see the world, right we We live in a very fortunate country and we're very blessed to to live in this country and have the rights and the freedoms that we have. And until you actually experience third world countries, until you see true poverty, you see mud huts, you see um, the horrors that are endured, you you you're not as sympathetic. So I encourage so many people to continue to travel, um, get get the passport stamps, get out of your comfort zone, go see what's going on beyond. Every time. I step back on U.S. soil, man. I am grateful oh. to be an American citizen. Yeah. It, it's just
2: you—you you, you see it, you see it. It smells different. <laughs> I, I can—I immediately know when I'm outside of the country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's everything. When out, I know if people think it's bad here in America, leave. Yeah. And you want to see what bad is? Step out to the backyard. Yeah.
3: I mean, I was—I was just down in El Paso last week, and you know, you land in El Paso and obviously you're close to Juarez, but like, you know, you're seeing these people flee from, from, you know, Venezuela and they're all in the airport and red cross blankets, you know, and have walked how many miles and just, just trying to get away from whatever is going on in their lives. But like, that's just a glimpse and that's on us soil, right? That's not even going to those third world countries. Like we can see it if you look around
4: for sure.
2: My brother's a ultra runner he's, and, and he said this to me and he's, he's had some other people say this and he's like, hey man, you want to change your life? Walk 50 miles. You walk mm-hmm. 50 miles, it'll change everything. It'll change your perspective on everything. So those people coming mm-hmm. up, they've changed. Mm-hmm. What started up that, yeah. up that road is not what showed up, for sure. Yeah. For sure. All right, man. How, yeah. how do we follow you? How do we keep in touch with you, man? And From, what can we do yeah. to support you?
3: No, absolutely. I'm at Chef Brother Luck Across the board, from Facebook to internet, Instagram to to YouTube to Twitter to TikTok, all that good stuff. I kept it simple. Uh, my website, Chef Brother Love Springs. Man, come rock with me. Come say what's up. I am the most approachable person you will ever meet. Um, don't get it twisted, man. I, I keep it. I keep it real. I'm always going to be genuine, and I'm always going to be present.
4: Well, we're going to come visit you the oh, next time I, we're in Colorado Springs. We'll show Springs. Up. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go eat I'll at die. your restaurant. where's
1: the brother? <laughs> yeah. brother tell tell <laughs> us what the restaurants are again because you broke up just a little bit. I want to make sure our listeners hear that.
3: Yeah, so I've, I've got a couple of restaurants. Uh, Four by Brother Luck, uh, which is located here in Colorado Springs. I've got Lucky Dumpling, which is located here in Colorado Springs. If you go to chefbrotherluck.com, all of, the, all of the links are there to check them out nice. um, or just Google Brother Luck because, I mean, there's only one Brother Luck.
2: That's right.
1: <laughs> hey, I, I would like to ask you to leave our listeners with one uh, piece of solid advice, especially the young men, because you lost your dad early on in your life. And I know that for you, mentorship was a big piece of where you're at today, especially through that program that you got to be a part of as you got a little older. What, what advice could you leave the listeners, especially the young men listening?
3: Yeah, don't give up. You know, you get you get one shot at at this life. That's it, right? There's no give backs, there's no do-overs, you get one shot at every day. And we all got the same 24 hours. So understand that you're not alone, you're not in this by yourself. A lot of people are struggling, a lot of people are going through it. A lot of them are just hiding it better than you, right? But know that you can persevere beyond your situation and don't give up on yourself.
4: Love it. Amen. Well said. Yeah. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you, so man.
3: Much. Absolutely.